Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Hassan Talks Podcast. Before getting into this episode, I just want to remind you guys to check uh, all the previous episodes that I've uploaded. So uh, this is the eighth episode of the podcast. I've been talking about several stuff, uh, different topics, and it's all from my own personal experience and also like having guests all the time and they share their experiences as well. We, we chat in a very friendly way, a very easygoing way. So I'm, I'm sure you're going you're gonna to have fun going through the episodes. So you can go to Anchor. FM and check the titles of the episode and pick up the the one you like the most. So for today's episode, uh, before introducing the guest that I'm having, I think all of you know that I'm from Sudan. And if you really ask me, where are you from? I would say I'm from Sudan. But you know, this was not an easy question to answer for me uh, during my childhood. And even like till recent years, basically because uh, I, I didn't live in Sudan. I went to Sudan a lot for vacations and holidays, but I was raised up uh, and born in Saudi Arabia. And the confusion for those who ask me like, where are you from? And I say, I'm from Sudan. But then they say, oh, so you live in Khartoum I say no I live in Saudi Arabia so the confusion is for, for those who ask me you know what I had the confusion as well as a kid and this created uh, some sort of identity crisis that I had uh, to deal with I had to cope with and finally I was able to actually uh, embrace uh, this crisis and make it something uh, unique and something that defines me so uh, uh, in this episode so, since we're going to talk going to be talking about third culture kids and identity crisis i'm super glad to uh, to introduce the guest for you guys her name is Lujain abdel hamid uh, she's studying marketing in the international islamic university of malaysia she's 22 years old she is from sudan but she was also raised up and and lived more, most of her life in saudi and malaysia so hello Lujain. hi thank you for having me on your show thank you for accepting the invitation so, uh, Lujain, since you, um, uh, you uh, define yourself as a third culture kid, could you please define this uh, term for us? Uh, right. So I would consider a third culture kid to be someone from a certain nationality who grows up uh, in, a different uh, in a different country and slowly starts uh, adopting different cultures as they start growing up. All right. And uh, I guess this ha this happened to you as well, because uh, as far as I know, you were born in Sudan, but you didn't live there, right? Right. So the thing for me is that most people are born somewhere. They grow up a little bit there and then they move. For me, it was I was born a few weeks later. Uh, my family moved to, to Saudi. Um, and the thing about that was uh, when I was growing up, my family would always say that, you know, we're not pure Sudanese, you know, like our roots are not purely Sudanese, right? So we had different, we had different like uh, cultures already instilled into the family. So, I mean, I considered myself Sudanese growing up, uh, but then I just didn't really feel Sudanese 100%. Um, I remember as I started going to school, there was, there was a few Sudanese kids around me, but then I would never relate to them because I felt that their culture and mine was completely different. Well, uh, you know, this this brings so much uh, memories from my childhood as well, being in uh, in Saudi. And uh, since uh, I was born in Riyadh, but I, I, I lived in, in a smaller town that's called Al-Kharj. And that town is so small, I think I knew all the Sudanese who lived in that town. So we were not really a lot. And yeah, like the, 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 the feeling of, you know, belonging to Sudan, was more or less non-existent because uh, as a kid I felt uh, where, I, I, where I actually belonged to was home you know where literally the house we were living in 
And the second I open the door to go uh, grocery shopping or go out with my dad, I feel like I left my country. So that was that was a little bit uh, difficult times. Uh, I, would, I would definitely say I didn't feel I didn't feel uh, connected to to people. Although I, I do remember a lot that our house was 100% Sudanese. Like my father and my mom as well, they tried their best to make the to make the culture of Sudan and the traditions alive inside the house. So did you have something like that? Um, I mean, as I said, like, so basically when we lived uh, in Saudi, I was surrounded by a lot of family members. They did, of course, uh, talk 100% Sudanese at home. You know, uh, they would get dressed up in traditional Sudanese clothing, uh, things like that. But then when it comes to like playing Sudanese songs or talking specific about Sudanese things specifically, um, it wasn't so much so until I grew up older and I did a little bit of discovering uh, by myself. I, I do remember that my, my father like used to talk a lot about the history of the Sudan, the, the geography of Sudan, the traditions, and, and also like inside the, inside the house, as I said, he, he talks like 100% in the dialect that we have. He plays the music of Sudan all the time. And like the Sudanese, the, Sudan, the TV uh, was like set to the first channel on the TV was the Sudan national TV. So that nobody is allowed to change the, the position of, of, that, of that channel. And I, I do remember like, yeah, we had a lot of uh, meetings with other families and it, it's usually Sudanese. I think that's how Saudi is, you know, um, like the small, the, the small uh, um, nationalities, they gather and they form their own sort of societies inside the country. And that created some sort of gap, like as good as it was for, for, my, for my parents to try to make me feel Sudanese, I was somehow disconnected from the society where I was living. So I do remember as a kid, I don't know, I was like 11 or 12, I was forcing myself to, to be Saudi somehow, to feel connected to Saudi more, because uh, I, I did have Sudanese friends, but I also had two Saudi friends. And I feel like, you know what? I think I relate to them better. I, I relate to them more than the, the, the Sudanese people. And the problem was not that. The problem is like throughout the years, I felt rejected from those guys, from the Saudi society. Then like, okay, so what, what's happening here? Where, where do I belong? So yeah, that, that was the start of the identity crisis and I had a lot of questions and I was just a kid. So do you recall the identity crisis start for you? I think for me, the big issue was that, like you said, you, you had a lot of, um, or like at least two Saudi friends and you know, as you grew up, you felt rejected by them. For me, it wasn't so much just like that. Um, I grew up like in, in a school where there was a lot of different nationalities and the school itself was Americanized. So we'd all like speak English uh, mainly, and then the teachers themselves were like foreign or international. So my problem was that I felt rejected from both sides. Uh, when I had my international friends, I would talk to them. We were close somehow, but then I didn't feel good enough for them. I didn't feel like I was like them, you know. Unfortunately, uh, one of the memories I remember I had was when I was in like probably third grade, the girls in school were, were like confused as why I was like Sudanese, but I didn't look like typical Sudanese uh, to them. So they went and they made a complaint 
uh, to the principal and said that, you know, this girl, she has lice, right? And so even though that was not true, you know, I got called into the principal's office and it was really humiliating. So since that age, like I started feeling like, okay, these people reject me. And then uh, back when I would go talk to my Sudanese friends or the little Sudanese kids that I had, I felt rejected by them. And then when we would go on family trips to Sudan, I felt like I was foreign. I was a foreigner in my own country, even though I, like, I spoke the same language. You know, I looked Sudanese. I know for a fact that I do. And then, you know, the, I don't know what it was, but every time until this day, I go to Sudan. And, you know, it's unfortunate that I just feel like I don't fit in. And then you talked about how you feel a certain point in your life. You felt like home was where you belonged, basically. Home was your country. Home was a little world for you, you know, a safe haven. Um, and I think that's primarily how it was for a long period in my life. And I remember sometimes I would have this, you know, homesickness. Like I would just have this gut feeling, you know, that I wanted to go somewhere where I feel like I belong. And when I got that feeling, I didn't envision Sudan. I didn't envision anything. It was just that feeling. Um, so it was it was bad for a period of time, I think. But then, you know, we have this idea where, you know, you you have to belong to a country, you know, like like that you where you belong, where you should feel home is your country. And then I as I grew older, I realized that. You know, you don't have to belong. You don't have to feel a sense of belonging to a country. You could always feel a sense of belonging to, let's say, a city, to um, your family, to I don't know, your 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 friends, your work, something. You know, you when you belong, you don't have to belong to your country. You know, and I think that started making me feel liberated uh, a little bit with my interpretation of belonging. Um, you can even belong to an idea, right? So I, it liberated me a little bit. And then from there, I started, you know, seeing Sudan from a different light than where I had seen it when I was growing up, uh, specifically like uh, in the past year, in the past two years, probably after I've joined university. Um, and I started associating myself more with um, Sudanese students. And I've started seeing the culture from from a youth perspective rather than a child or from an adult perspective so yeah well yeah i think yeah the, the university phase for me as well was very very important i will come to that i just want to uh, back up a little bit uh, i want to ask you in which part of saudi did you grow up so that's the thing with me again is that i moved a lot as a yeah. child so i would move from city to city primarily i would move from Riyadh to jeddah uh, primarily and then at the age of 14 i moved here to malaysia Okay. Well, in uh, I, I was I was raised raised up in in Al Kharj, which is the small town mm -hmm. close to Riyadh. But yeah. then when we, like, whenever like I feel you know this like sense of yeah I'm missing some some uh, feeling of uh, belonging to somewhere, and which at that time it was just Sudan, home country, this kind of stuff. When we go to Riyadh, uh, we we usually go to to a street or a neighborhood that's called Ribera. And for those who know, Rivera is just like a Sudanese territory. Uh, it's yeah, like a Chinatown, but like a Sudan town in, inside of Riyadh. And it's just, it's, it's it, you know, it breathes Sudan. The streets, the vibe, you can hear music. Uh, the, the shops are just owned by Sudanese, they're run by Sudanese, the customers are Sudanese, all the restaurants. 
I just persuade people and they have like a lot of, and it, it was it was really funny like it was really really funny so like when there is let's say a Saudi or Egyptian who's passing by like he's the foreigner like what is he doing here you know that's that you don't belong here so yeah I, I, I do I do remember this kind of stuff I will also later comment on the uh, the the identity uh, thing and it's also always associated with the country but now I, I want to move to to the uh, university phase and I think I think, uh, as, I, as I recall, my, my, fa- my father's plan uh, was to go back to Sudan before I start uh, my university time. So, so I'll be able to, to learn more about Sudan, to actually live it, because all through my, my childhood, he was like giving me a lot of information, a lot of theories, a lot of say, theoretical information. So I haven't done the practice yet. You know, like he says, like Sudan is like that. It's the, 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 the culture, you know, the dialects, the diversity inside Sudan is also huge. And I was like, not really comprehending all that. So in his mind, he said, well, he needs time. And uh, hopefully when we go back to Sudan, he starts studying the university there, he will get to experience all that and then he will really get connected to the country. So he was quite patient with this. But what happened is like, I didn't go to Sudan to, to, to study my, uh, my, to get my bachelor degrees. And actually I came to Malaysia. So I actually thanked my father for such a decision because I felt that was the right decision at that time. I think if, if, I, if, uh, if I move back to, to Sudan, just from Saudi like that, the shock would be quite hard uh, or, or tough. And then I won't be able to fit inside Sudan. And also I will isolate myself inside Sudan with those who are coming from outside. But then coming to Malaysia, I felt connected. I felt really connected with all the Sudanese who are coming from all over the globe just to study there. And yeah, we, we, we formed our, uh, well, the society was there, but then I formed my, my, my sense of uh, a home feeling with them, especially, especially when you see like there's so many nationalities in the university and also it, the identity, identity thing comes to a competition during like the, the Omitic week, you know, every country represent themselves with food and dances and performance. And so at that time, at that time, that was the first time I actually accepted wearing the Jalabia. That was the first time uh, I was proud of being Sudanese. I was talking to my father about it all the time. So yeah, could you uh, walk us a little bit into your university phase? Um, right, so let me just back up a little bit before that. Like um, one of the things you were saying was that the whole like shock, right? The, the culture shock. Um, I think that happened to me here. Uh, I was really shocked because I once I came here, I started realizing that I was living in a bubble uh in Saudi that I was my whole world's perspective was shaped by the people around me and I didn't really know what real life would look like so uh to university when I came here um I wasn't really mixing with Sudanese people so much to the point that they thought that I was I wasn't Sudanese um mainly because I wasn't I wasn't really sure what to expect and then as time went by uh, I slowly like started integrating myself into them, especially the ones that were studying in the same uh, in the same department as me. Um, and then from there, like I started getting closer to them. Um, I never had an issue with the Sudanese clothes. Uh, I think that was my favorite part. Like I loved it. You know, it made me feel like, you know, when you wear something, it makes you feel like you belong somewhere, like you're a, a part of a bigger group. So yeah, so I I started. I started getting to know them. They got to know me. In the beginning, it was really hard because my my Arabic at the time wasn't so good. Uh, it was good in Saudi, but then once we moved to Malaysia, like you rely on English more. So I had like lost a little bit of my my Sudanese vocabulary. 
So, and then slowly, like I started talking to more Sudanese people, my Arabic became better. Um, they were really, really friendly, which I was surprised. They never like judged me based on, oh, um, you know, you're not really Sudanese, like I had expected them to say. I mean, I mean, they would tease me, but it wasn't like something like, oh, uh, you know, like it was rejected, rejected. Um, so I started working with them um, slowly, slowly. Like I started managing some of their programs because I had some experience with managing, um, with managing a little bit of stuff. So I think in university is where I started getting to know more Sudanese people, right? Um, I started to see like Sudan from a different perspective where it wasn't so judge, like it wasn't so judgy. It wasn't like something, um, it wasn't something to be scared of anymore. You know, I started seeing, especially um, after the protests and everything that happened like last year, I started really understanding, you know, why Sudan was the way it was and what my role was as, as a Sudanese person towards my country and like how, you know, I'm, I, I just don't want to be watching things like that happen to my country and I want to be contributing. So I started also wanting to change like um, other people's perspectives, not really that the perspective was bad, but I wanted to show Sudan in a modern way that we're not like this country that you can just Google and see, you know, like the starving kids or whatever it was. We are more than that. There is beauty, there's culture, there's heritage. So I started working with them and like, alhamdulillah, you know, we are always successful in whatever we do in the university. Everything turns out beautifully. But one of the things that I experienced, uh, which was interesting, I hadn't experienced that before was, and this is a very important part, I think, is the work ethic. Um, when you're a third culture kid, you get surrounded by a lot of people from a lot of different nationalities. You get influenced by certain cultures. Um, your work ethic changes as you become a professional. Um, you value certain things. You um you don't value uh things as much you know it depends on it depends on what you pick up so i think um for me i found a difficulty uh, in working not specifically with sudanese people but with sudanese people um who had come let's say straight up from sudan and i don't know why that was an issue for me but it was i mean it wasn't like just sudanese people it was my work ethic was completely different than them. And it's not just like, it's, it's not just because they came from Sudan. It was just different. I think like one of the things that w was really bothering me was uh, time management. Uh, like growing up, you know, in a third world, uh, in a third culture world, world um, you learn from a pretty early on age. Like my teachers would always instill a certain time. I think it was also the family. So they instill like, okay, you have to be there a certain time. When it's that time, you have to be there. You have to be early. It's better to be early than late. And so when I came to university, it was a, just a bit different. And I think, you know, later on, I started learning how to deal with different people and how to adapt to them. And so I started realizing that it wasn't so much so uh, about them not being able to work right with me. It was that they weren't communicating the way that I was used to. Right. So the problem wasn't within them. The problem was that I, I didn't know how to listen to them and they weren't communicating verbally. So these people, they can't say no to you. They can't be rude. Right. So that's a part of our culture that we can't we try our best um, to, you know, to be nice to you. And that's a part of our culture. We call it mujamala. So and, and that was not something that I was used to, especially when it comes to work. You know, I want you to be straight up with me, honest with me. Tell me when things are going wrong or when you can't do something. Don't tell me, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then 
later on I find out that you can't do it because because you were just trying to be nice to me. You just didn't want to let me down. So I think, you know, like we can answer this from different perspectives about how like being a third culture kid affects you. Um, it affects certain a lot of a lot of different areas in your life, uh, whether it's personal, whether how you view the world, um, how you work later on as a professional, you know, what type of, of media that you consume as well, it shapes um, a certain way. Uh, one of the things also that uh, bothered me a lot as a kid, and I'm, I'm always trying to go back to, to that uh, stage of my life because it's where everything started. Trips to Sudan were not really trips for me. It was, it was torture. It was very, very difficult because I felt so comfortable uh, at, at Saudi. Not at Saudi as a country. I wasn't really comfortable in Saudi. You know, felt I'm, I faced a lot of uh, racism and bullying and this kind of stuff. Just being different, just looking different. Although we share the same language, we share the same religion. It's still, it was not, it was not the country where I felt home at all as a country. And I think this uh, came came to light. Uh, like at 17, 18, you know, at that age, I, I thought, wow, okay, I really don't belong here. But then, you know, going to Sudan was not uh, a cup of tea either. You know, it was it was also difficult because you, you, you get you get questioned and cornered by by your relatives. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so do you do you like it here? Is Eid here better or back in Saudi? Oh, you're the Saudi kids. Oh, you don't eat this. Oh, you say this. You say that. You guys act different. You're so I don't know. You're not, you're not really like, you're not pure Sudanese. And you, you hear this at a young age, which is really affecting. Like those people don't don't know the, the huge impact of this. Maybe I was lucky and maybe you as well to be able to overcome that. But you know, this this could, could create problems for for, uh, for the future for, for some other people. So that was a big issue. And what I learned from it later, of course, like at that time, you don't really, like you just like, get sad about it and you get mad. But later when you come back to those memories, you try to uh, and, and you see your life later now you can things get connected oh now i'm doing this because of that and i'm trying to improve this because that happened so yeah what, what i what this, like the differences that i've noticed between me my parents and the people in Sudan. of course yeah like uh, the work ethics uh, you mentioned the time management and the mujamala, which is like very annoying thing. You know, it's not actually just in Sudan; it's uh, in a lot of uh, Arabic countries. Like yeah. time does not really, time does not really matter. You know, if this and uh, the, the sad thing, you know, what's the sad thing? Like uh, I know people here in Spain, uh, uh, from from yeah, like from that part of the world, and they come here and they don't change. So they, which is like, yeah, come on, come on, like you've moved all across the globe. And come on, like improve a little bit, man. Just, just I don't. Not, I'm not asking you to be German, but just be Spanish. You know, they're a little bit uh, lenient. They're not really strict with time. But like, if you're late to two to five minutes, it's okay. More than that, it's not acceptable. I mean, anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean, like for me, for me, I don't mind you being five minutes late. Like I don't mind you being ten minutes late. But don't come an hour later or two hours later, you know? It's like, that's just telling you, hey, you know what? I don't think your time matters. I think you're free the whole day and you're just waiting for me, you know? So um, just to like, just to back up your point, you know, where you said that um, about how like when you went to Sudan, you felt a little bit interrogated by your family. And I think one uh, one of the skills that being a third culture kid teaches you is adapt adapting to anything and anyone you know you start knowing okay this person in front of me is from this certain background they expect this so let me be this for them right um it's a bit unfortunate like you might be a little people might think you're a little bit colorless or that you don't have your own footing 
but but because you know how to adapt you're very good at problem solving and you're very good at convincing people of something right so i mean it, it comes with its advantages yeah that's actually quite true you know like the uh, advantages of being a third culture kid or like the the positive uh, effect or impact of it is something you know um, we tend to 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 forget like yeah adapting in a new av- environment uh, actually like going to different places and being being like a, a very strong individual who who's able to face a lot of uh, difficulties and you know like the feeling of being homesick is there but you learn how to cope with it i know a lot of people who are not able to because like they like they even just move from one town to another inside their country they just can't they can't function it's like the world is crumbling around them and yeah this is for me this is something i never had a problem with of course mo- i think moving from from saudi to malaysia was difficult but then uh, just going back to to sudan or like even like uh, in saudi and then spain it felt it didn't feel like a problem also yeah being uh, you know one where you said like the perspective of uh, uh, understanding people being a good listener as well like be, because uh, when somebody's talking to you about a problem yeah you like you put yourself in their shoes and you like you don't just uh, uh, hear the question that they're asking like you hear the culture behind it you know what they suffered from yeah, what they suffered. before actually before actually they, they asked uh, the question uh, what I what I uh, want to say now, I want to talk about a little bit now, is like we are living in 2020 where internet and social media connects people like crazy. So I believe being a third culture kid at this time is is a little different from, from like 10 years or 15 years ago. Of course, right. So, I mean, nowadays everyone is on social media. Everyone, right? I mean, not everyone, but like most people are on social media. And so um, now social media is a bit, in my opinion, Americanized. It's like everything is put in an American perspective and it changes, you know, the way that teenagers or kids view the world, whether it's from trends or, or certain uh, topics, like um, certain topics that affect teenagers that are not so acceptable in a certain culture, uh, but then it's uh, acceptable in that part of the world. So these kids like get influenced by it, whether it's language, whether it's terminology, whether it's culture, whether it's your own identity, right? It changes by what you consume. Um, so back then when we were kids, uh, when I was growing up, at least I, there was no internet. There was no like, there was no way of me to connect with people from different countries other than going to school sitting with people from different countries, taking a little bit from them, uh, taking a little bit of mannerisms from them that I thought, oh, this is like really cool as a kid. Obviously, it was all subconscious um, that I didn't really comprehend. Like, why do I do certain things? So I think, you know, nowadays as well, uh, moms, unfortunately, they just want their kids to to be calm and quiet. So they just give them the phone and then they watch YouTube videos or whatever it is. And then the kids get influenced. I think at some point, um, the world will all have one identity or the world will all have like, will fall under a certain umbrella and the belonging to a country would not be so much of an important as it was uh, back then when we were growing up, right? It would be more like, okay, we're all netizens and we all belong to netizism or whatever, like we all belong to the internet. Um, so that's like, they would all adopt a certain culture. Like, that's my opinion. Obviously, the culture will be bland. And so, you know, uh, let's say you're from Africa, African 
African mannerisms or African like prominent uh, behaviors would, would come up or if you're from Asia or whatever or American or whatever it is. But we will have a mutual understanding, uh, I think, in my own perspective. What do you think? You know what I think? I think is like it's something uh, the Internet made us uh, realize is like at the end of the day, we are all humans. Mm. We have a lot in common despite where we come from, where we grew up and, and how was our childhood. We have a lot in common. True, it's a little bit Americanized, but then uh, actually, if you if you invest a little bit of time on the internet and follow certain topics and, and and even like say memes, you can you can tell the culture of each uh, each page or each account, and you, you can feel it later. So, so yeah, that happens. But then, uh, what what I really what I really really want people to 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 have uh, some sort of uh, a perspective on is uh, third culture kids. They, they are different. Maybe maybe you don't notice. You think, okay, because he's coming from that uh, country and now he's living here. So the only problem he had is actually like booking the flight, getting the visa and finding a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually bigger than this. So uh, what I'm asking you guys who's listening to this, if you know any friends of yours who, who've uh, moved around a lot, uh, yeah, just try to uh, understand them better. Try to get closer to them. Try to maybe this episode will help you uh, develop that perspective towards this uh, uh, towards care culture kids. And hopefully, uh, what I hope is like hopefully in the future, you know, uh, our our kids in the future hopefully don't have this identity crisis because basically, yeah, I'm not tied up to to any location. Yeah, I say I'm Sudanese. If you ask me, I would say I'm Sudanese definitely. But like, I don't see myself tied up in one country and just staying there for the rest of my life as I like to move from one apartment to another from one city to another and also from one country to another uh, you know I think one of the one of the things that I didn't talk about today is like being a third culture kid uh, made me like even when I travel when we travel you experience things differently because you don't just look at the the touristic places or the best food they have or like you know how funny or how different they speak it's like you want to connect with the with the local people, you just want to uh, live uh, live their their daily life. And whenever I travel, I feel like two three days are never enough. Like I, I really I really want to get into these people's lives. Like I I just want to know how they go to work, how they deal with it, uh, how patient they are. For example, like Malaysians are very different from the uh, Middle Eastern cultures. Like these people are so quiet. They're a little bit reserved. Like they don't open up until you make them feel, uh, let's say, safe. So you have to, like, you just drop one, one, one Malay word to them and that, that's the gate, you know, that's how you get into it. For example, now, Sudanese people are very, very different where uh, privacy does not exist, more or less. Like everybody is family. Like when I say family, it, it includes my, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. Extended family is actually the cousins of my parents, yeah. which is something, com- something completely different. And yeah, like here in Spain, also the, the uh, like pe- people are connected, but in the same time, they have their privacy. So it's a mix. And for me, uh, as a third culture kid, I feel I have, I have the, the, the luxury of being culturally picky, let's say, so I can pick what I like from each culture that I've experienced through my whole life. And so I, can, I like this. Okay, I don't like how Sudanese are late, so I know I'm actually going to be uh, somebody who's punctual on time. But I love how, how uh, the, the warmth of, uh, of, uh, of Sudan, I love how people uh, make you really feel home. Like wherever you go as Sudanese, you know, I think now since you live with your parents, uh, with your family in, in Malaysia, I don't know, like even if they, if they, if they say they see another Sudanese on the street, 
and they get to know them later. They, like, they invite them over, they cook for them. It's like this kind of stuff, you know, it, it's not available uh, everywhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad and I'm very, very proud to say I'm a world citizen, but I'm also Sudanese. So I just want you to conclude the whole thing for me, if you can. Uh, first, like I would like to say that, um, yes, the Internet is a very beautiful space. Uh, but it's also it has like its own negative uh, it has its own negative areas and that would be a challenge later on when the internet becomes more more uh, more popular to the kids that are consuming it because sometimes the internet is filled with ignorance unfortunately so when something new or something foreign comes up in the internet you know you might face a lot of negativity however um, I would like to say that you know Sudan is a very beautiful country um, its culture is actually very, very, very beautiful once you get to know the culture um, mixed with the people. Sudanese people are super kind. Um, they're very generous. They're super loving. They're super accepting. You know, they, they welcome you with open arms. They're very uh, hospitable. Whenever you come over to their houses as a guest, you know, they would cut an arm out for you. Even though they don't know you, they, they know that you're their guest. And so they give you everything that they have, even if they don't have much. Um, when it comes to the country itself, Sudan is a beautiful country um, and, you know, it's, it's just in the heart of Africa. It connects the whole world. It's the uh, food bank of the world. You know, it's full. It's rich. It's a beautiful, rich country. I think, you know, if you're a third culture kid, uh, get to know your country better. If, you know, you get to know your country better, don't just take it don't take your country's perspective or don't look at look at your country or view your country from your parents eyes right because you live outside and you're a third culture kid it means your parents had to leave their country and move somewhere else and they might have some resentment or they might love it so much but they just want better for you right and so a lot of parents they feel like they want better for their kids so they don't really keep talking about their where they came from but it's not your parents responsibility to you know, instill in you the love for your country. In my personal opinion, my parents were always like trying to instill it in me, but then for me, because it wasn't really interesting enough for me at, at that age, I didn't listen. But once I got older, you know, I started getting to know my country and I, I fell in love with all of it. But then again, I would like to say that, you know, uh, the feeling of belongingness, the feeling of identity doesn't have to 100% be, uh, be related to your country. You know, you can belong to a lot of different things. So I think it's a journey, um, you know, the sense of identity changes as you grow up you, from feeling like you belong to your parents to then feeling like you belong in your house to then feeling like you belong in the country you grew up to then feeling like you belong in the world. And then somehow for me and I think also for uh, Hassan, you know, we we traveled all around and then we finally found our comfort and our belonging and our identity in Sudan. Right. So I think that would be that would be how my perspective is for my whole third culture. Of course, my experience would not be like everyone else's experience. A lot of people struggle with different things, whether it's racism. Um, unfortunately, some people grew up in countries that, you know, are a little bit um, ignorant or, or a little bit intolerant uh, to the way that they look or the way that they speak or their cultures. But I think overall, um, we humans are met, met to overcome whatever life throws at us and of course you know you overcome the hardship but you also find your foot of where you belong um, and where you feel happy where you feel content and where you feel at peace
Okay, wow, yeah, I, I love how you discuss this topic and how, how you covered it, Lujain. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, you, you were part of uh, this episode. So thank Honestly, you. Honestly, the pleasure was mine. Uh, it was beautiful, you know, like it brought, it brought a lo- back a lot of memories from when I was a kid. You know, some of them were negative, but it just makes you look back at where you were in life for me, like 15, 20 years ago, and then where you are right now. Um, so it was honestly a pleasure reflecting back with you and discussing this topic. I know that a lot of people struggle with it. Um, so thanks a lot for, for having me and yeah. Uh, yeah, something else, Jane. Uh, you are a co-host of another podcast, right? right? So right now I'm working with Faham Shabab Podcast, uh, where you guys can find them. We're in a lot of different platforms, Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on uh, SoundCloud and a lot. So all you have to do is search Shafam Shabbat Podcast and then you'll find me there. We have a lot of different topics, but unfortunately for some of your viewers, uh, our podcast is in Arabic and uh, Sudanese. So, but we do talk about different topics. We could talk, cover like, for example, the coronavirus pandemic. We talk about uh, students' life in Malaysia. We talk about business and entrepreneurship. And then we also talk about, um, we had one with you as well, right? So we had one with you about um, life after university, and then we had the most recent one, was, which was the eighth episode. So um, yeah, that's where you guys can find me. All right. Thanks again to Jane for being part of uh, this episode. I hope this episode, guys, uh, brought some uh, knowledge to you regarding this topic. And I just want to conclude by saying, uh, you know, being a third culture kid, always brings for me a person uh, a certain sense of freedom uh, for me it it really um, puts the fact that home is where the heart is it's not bound by passports uh, or language for me yeah like the journey was quite huge you know from rejecting wearing the Sudanese jalabia in the beginning and now representing Sudan uh, in Spain so yeah third culture kids we are the citizens of everywhere and nowhere so this is the end of this episode I hope you like it tell me what you think about it and I will link up the uh, Faham Shabab podcast and Lujain's account in the description box. So check it out. And that's all for today. This is Hassan Talks Podcast. Peace out. <laughs>